Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Clear to Close. I'm your host, Alan Paris, joined by a new person on the intro-outro. Usually when we have to separate out the intro-outro, Brian is part of it. Usually um, we've is. done We've done a few episodes where we do the intro in the episode, intro-outro in the episode. We did not have time for that in this past episode. We we're in a little bit of a time crunch. So we're doing it separately. And so I'm joined today by my smart, intelligent, <laughs> forward-thinking, hey now, Anthony Iani, co-worker. How you doing, buddy? Good afternoon. You know, I'm doing okay, but here's the thing. The last time that I did one of these intro outros, Trigger had a crappy excuse that day too. That day it was traffic. Today yeah. it was 7,000 people in, I don't know where the hell he lives in Colorado. I have no internet access and I'm running out to a coffee shop a big office building in Denver. You could come work here and, and join in with Alan. But then Where he would probably, but, but even if even if he was going to make it to the office, even though he does that <clears> route <throat> consistently for the past couple of years now, he'd probably hit unexpected traffic and not make it on time. So as we like to say here at Maxwell, Brian had a twofer today. He had yeah. traffic and he had an internet outage. Maybe it was a threefer because maybe he ran out of j- electricity as well, too. I yeah. don't know. Brian, pay your bill. It's a tough day for the Traeger household, that's for it's, sure. It certainly is. Uh, so we're going to goof on him since he is not here. And Alan, speaking of goofing on, I, the, I was listening to the previous podcast. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I heard some goof, goofing on someone who shall remain nameless. But I think, you know what, AI, I think the trend is, you know, we just talked a little down on our other co-host because he wasn't here for the intro outro. I couldn't make it. You couldn't make it. And so maybe the theme and learning in all this is make it to the intro and outro. Yep. And you won't get shit talk. I'm with you on that. Make it, Brian, make it on time every day. The benefit of to the listener's demise, but to my benefit, because I am the main host of this and coordinate these recordings for the most part, I probably wouldn't get shit talked. So that's very true. You're very yeah. lucky and very. You guys fortunate. would have to do a secret recording, send it to the development team, get it posted to tell your true feelings on on Alan Paris. We could bribe our our producer Allison. She would that, probably do it. I yeah. guarantee she'd be in on it. She would totally do it. Absolutely, she would. As a matter of fact, maybe we can even get Allison's mom on here too. And maybe <laughs> we can get your mom on here too one day. And I'm going back to Philly next week to spend the week with my mother. Oh, we need it. We'll have a mother's episode. That could be. We, <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't. Start, we don't. We're actually not on the show. We just get all three of our mothers on the show and just let them go for it. I don't know. I don't know. Mother Mary telling stories about me when I was a little kid. I don't know if we're ready for that to be our most popular show. <laughs> but anyway, 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 well, super excited uh, for everyone to be here today. Uh, if you're new to Clear to Close, don't forget to hit that subscribe button afterwards. Also, feel free to give us a review. We strive for five-star reviews. So if you feel like we made that criteria, we would love for you to make our day. If you're returning to Clear to Close, great to have you over here again. We're excited about this episode. Today, no guest. It's just a roundtable, AI, myself, and, and Traeger. What we want to do is spend a little bit of time on the what's happening in the market, pulse on the market, economic outlook, and then maybe more importantly, how lenders are reacting to that. 
we're fortunate enough in Maxwell to speak to many lenders, uh, both current customers and, and prospect customers about how they're approaching the market and how they're reacting to it. And so I wanted to share some of the insights we've had in those conversations to hopefully be valued to this audience. A lot of good tips in there. Yeah. And, and I think AI, you know, there's in this market, I think from a clickbait perspective and from just a, a trending perspective in the media, it's very easy to always go on the negative. Yep. And that's not to underplay the the seriousness of things that are shifting in the market. However, I think there's a point where, and I think some of our learnings is you just got to get creative and you, you, you need to find your path and your bet and lean in that this is the space that we're in, even if it's a lot unknown and go make the best out of it as a business owner. Yeah, you really do. And I think, yes, it's hard out there. So we're not we're not making light of that or not. We know we know people have unfortunately lost their positions and et cetera, et cetera. But I think you're right. I think creativity is definitely needed for in this and just kind of think outside the box. I mean, I just recently read an article about something that I haven't thought about since I first got into business back in the late dark ages. Um, but that was King George the Second was it was um, he was actually yes, it was King George the Second. So <laughs> But they were they were referring to you know give consideration to points. So back when I first got into the business, it was it was always an interest rate plus three points. The borrowers paid that, and so now you know maybe think about that. Maybe the seller can pay a point. Maybe maybe there's some outside of the box thinking like that where where a seller can use that to kind of buy their rate down and and maybe pay a little bit of cash up front, and they can get a lower interest rate and they can buy the house that they want and they can move on. So yep. so I mean think about it, right? Yeah, and I think the good hopefully a preview is saying all that is this isn't just a downer episode no hopefully you can find some some value and some insight to help you feel more confident going in this market so yep um, and just remember something people you know everyone knows this too in the mortgage business right we're a small industry a lot of us know each other we've all been through this before lean on your friends you know lean on your vendors talk to as many people as you can know that you're not alone out there and so you know that's that's real key i talk on my commute into the office when i come into denver i call my my tried and true buddies just to remind me that yep there are people out there that are going through the same thing but they're still scratching and clawing just like we're doing every day 100 percent Yep. Well, before we jump in the episode, we have to thank our beloved employer and sponsor, Maxwell, that makes all this possible. Maxwell's mortgage optimization platform provides America's local lenders forward-looking technology and solutions for the entire mortgage origination process from intake of application to the secondary market. Backed by industry expertise, Maxwell's comprehensive offerings help lenders stay ahead of the competition while improving their workflow and margins. Each day, Maxwell empowers over 300 mortgage lenders, banks, and credit unions to serve tens of thousands of home buyers a modern lending experience. To learn more about Maxwell, visit us at www.highmaxwell.com or email us at meetmax at highmaxwell.com. Wait, are you ready to jump in the episode? Let's roll. Let's roll. All right, right. without further ado, the three amigos. All right, boys. We haven't talked in a month for this episode. However, a lot has changed. Um, I think you know, not to repeat the same subjects, but we had somewhat of outlook. It was still uh, a little unknown uh, or a lot unknown, um, but things have continued to kind of point in the direction of of the Fed trying to 
control inflation here. Hey, I do want to talk about what, what the Fed's been doing, what you see in the future of interest rate and kind of summary of the economy uh, so far. Well, I mean, you know, just look at today's numbers. They did, uh, you know, we're trying to digest an unrevised Q2 GDP figure, second straight quarterly contraction, inflation measures for the quarter were actually revised upwards. So here we're sitting at, as of the 14th, when the Fed last hiked rates, we're sitting at three to three and a quarter percent on Fed funds. My sense is they're going to give us a Thanksgiving Day turkey dinner, probably another 75 it's so a delicious, a a delicious to, turkey there. You know, it's, it's great. Could be a Christmas present too. You never know. But I think that with a terminal rate of four, four and a quarter, that puts, you know, you hate to say it, but I think it puts 30 or fixed close to 8%. I mean, some some lenders earlier in the week were quoting seven. So I think uh I think we're we're getting there. So everything that the Fed has has done so far, it just doesn't seem to have slowed it down yet. Now. Sadly, we we had Hurricane Ian yesterday. So thinking about all our friends in Florida and hopefully everyone's doing okay over there, we don't know precisely what that does, you know, economy-wise. I mean, it looks like, you know, certain counties, Lee County, for example, it just looks like it was devastated, at least early this morning when I was looking at the news. So we don't know how that yeah. affects, we don't know how that's going to affect things. Obviously, there's still more saber rattling by Russia over Ukraine, although you know, crude prices have declined. That's kind of helped a little bit on the, you know, on the price pressure side. But it's interesting to see what's been happening right now. I mean, Brian, what's your take, man? Well, AI, I don't know. You're kind of scaring me because you're saying this, <laughs> you're saying this stuff calmly, stoically, but you also <laughs> dropped 7% mortgage rates. And that's crazy. You know, just, just a little bit ago, I think a lot of people are sitting on 3% 30-year fixed mortgages right now yeah so when it creeped up to five percent on this podcast we were like holy wow that's intense <laughs> uh creeping up to seven right now i think it's a big deal it's it's really challenging a lot of people uh intellectually and that's across the board so <laughs> we've said it again like we have no idea what's going to happen and i think with rates at where they are and all the other aspects of the economy and the entire world that you just mentioned yep the uncertainty continues and so seven percent it's it's a sticker shock and i think it's going to impact a lot of people's buying decision but there's a lot of positives to come out of this too and a lot of momentum still with with folks buying homes so th there's just so many factors and that's what i love about you know trying to understand economics is there's an unlimited amount of factors that you need to consider. And if you're just looking at four or five of them, you're you're going to be wrong. If you look at all of them, you're probably going to be wrong anyway. Because yeah. even the people that are the smartest economists in the world have have missed the mark yes. on, on their predictions. And so it's a exercise, a continual exercise in trying to figure out what's going to happen. But you just got to be prepared for all different types of scenarios. You're absolutely right about that. And I think, you know, you have to look at a lot of different loan options too as a borrower, because certainly borrowing costs, while not at historic highs, I think the highest they've been was when I was a junior in high school in 1980, was probably close to, you know, fixed rates were, were super high back then. 
But I think you have to look at a lot of different options, right? So certainly Con 30 is important, but take a peek at that adjustable. Take a peek at some of the non-QM too. Maybe it doesn't make sense to to move today as prices start to, to, and I think you've said this too, Brian, you know, price decreases, maybe you're going to be more affected more regionally rather than from East all the way across the country to the West. But I think take your time, you know, make sure that you can afford it. Maybe a seven six or a ten six arm make more sense for you, and then then once we get through this, because we will get through. It. I mean, I've I have a lot of scars and I can prove it. It's hard, but we do get through it. And so then, if you're a borrower or if you're a loan officer and you you help someone in a house at a seven with a seven six arm, well then go back to them and refinance them. So there you go. So exactly, let's, let's look at it that way, right? Yeah, I think you know people should always be looking at their home buying decisions based on their affordability. And yes, affordability is a relative term sometimes, especially now when you're talking rates relative to what they were. But at the same time, it's you have to take a snapshot of what you are today and what you believe you can do in the future in terms of your income to be able to qualify. And so if you can afford the house that you want within the new interest rate environment and you're not worried about it, then who cares about what interest rates were yesterday? Because as a borrower in the United States of America, you have an option that you can always refinance if the rates go lower. So I like that point, AI. That's a really good point. And it's the truth. So yes, it's not as advantageous to go and buy right now. However, if you can make it work like, and you want to buy a house or you want to move, it's got to be up to you. It's your own personal situation yeah. yep. and make that decision if you're if it's right for you. I don't disagree, Brian, but to push back on that, I think that's a little bit a little bit easier said than done. Yes, there are some people who the house they need in the area that they live in today at a 7% rate can absolutely afford that. And I agree with you and how you think about a home buying purchase that don't think about the home value. You think about what can you afford within within your budget and your lifestyle and the snapshot you are in today. If that's 7% interest rate, it doesn't matter whether it's seven or threes. Would it be better if it was three? Absolutely. But in terms of the broader consequences, are there that many situations and many people that can say, yes, that is affordable based off where this kind of crisscross of home values and 7% interest rates align? Well, I think, so the the moving target then is, is is the house. Yeah, right? totally. It's the collateral. So if you want to go buy a house that you thought, let's say $300,000 house, you want to go buy that house. Well, now that your affordability is actually two fifty, dollars And if you, if you don't like the $250,000 houses and the place that you want to live and you said, you know, 300 is really the minimum and you can't afford the 300, then you have to be on the sidelines. No doubt, but, no yeah. doubt. I think that's my. It's, I think that's my argument is where I think a lot of people find themselves on the sidelines. They'll say, "Hey, we'll just rent for another year, or we're not, or we're we're not going to move for a year, or get that next house." They'll just because because of what they can afford isn't worth the the investment there. It's either they need an extra bedroom, they need more space, then and that and that's not attractive to them based on the the price point. So then the consequence then is, what do home prices do to find that balance, or else you've got an unbalanced market. 100% agreed. It comes back to that the home value and what you want. What's the reason for you moving? A lot of times, like I said, in, in the last two years, the reason for getting out of your mortgage was to refinance it or capitalize on the equity that you have in your house. 
then that appreciation. And maybe you can use that to go buy in a different area of town that's mm-hmm. similar or whatever. But it, it's about that price point. And so if you really want a bigger house, then you're probably going to sit on the sidelines. But if you want to downsize or you want to move to a different town or a new city or a new state, yeah. do it. Those are all still really good do options it. for you. I mean, so many folks are leaving the coastal towns, the expensive coastal towns, and moving more inland. How many people in Denver are coming from San Francisco? Yeah, tons. Brian, and, you can't encourage people to come to Colorado. Colorado oh, yeah. is horrible to everyone yeah, listening. It's, it's a horrible state. The weather's horrible. I think, it, I think no it's snowed. I think it snowed thirty five inches today. Is not right. <laughs> oh, yeah. thirty five. It's yeah. at least fifty up where I live. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. interest rates going from three percent to seven percent is not going to deter these people from going from a million dollar, you know, a million dollar condo to the same thing for five hundred k in Denver. Yeah. Like that difference isn't made up in interest rates. You can yep. still afford that every day of the week. And so it's all relative to who you are and your own unique situation. You're right though. If if your goal in your next house is to get another bedroom or whatever it might be, yeah, you're probably gonna have to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. But there's a lot of other situations where people need to move, want to move, and absolutely can and should and are. Or this potentially forces the move. I think that's the interesting thing about why this is so hard to somewhat decipher in my uh, expansive economic mind that I that I deal with every single day and skills that I have is it's so regionally based. Like you think about like can this influence people's decisions to say, hey, like even though we live in XYZ coastal town today and we would love to stay there for our family and for the space that we need, we can still make that move. But because I'm able to work remote now in my in this new environment, kind of post-COVID, because of what we need as a family, we're still going to be in the home buying market, but we're going to do it in a different area than we would do today. So maybe it doesn't change as much in the macro entire nation, but it's regionally impacted based off where people are moving to and from that can find a balance in this, in this market. Yeah. And I think the tough thing, though, is... Are you on the good market or are you on the bad market in this as, as a lender? I think most markets are still pretty good, right? So I think to your point, if you find something and it makes sense, you have options. That's what I that's what I want to. We had a product a long time ago, which some people are doing it, just talking to some people at the TMC quarterly conference or bi- biannual conference that I was just at in Chicago. And so people are doing buy-downs. We did buy-downs back when I got into business and then they they kind of went out of fashion, but now they're back in vogue, right? Can and you so explain you can, what a buy-down is? So basically what you can do is if today interest rates are at 7%, you can negotiate a credit from your seller, for example, to try and buy that rate down, maybe a percentage point or two percentage points. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is your start rate is it 7% in year one? If you're doing a two one buy down, it's 5% for the first 12 months. And then there's a subsidy that kicks in. So you make your payment as a borrower at 5%. Portion of that subsidy kicks in every month when you make your payment to fully amortize the loan at 7%. 12 months later, it rises to 6%. The same scenario happens where there's a subsidy that kicks in and it amortizes the loan at 7%. And then years three through 30, you're at 7%. So it allows you, it allows you to go in, negotiate a little bit with the seller to try and get them to pay a percentage point or two. And then Lord willing and the river don't rise, as I always say, you know, we're through all this, we're through all this stuff. Things are much greener on the other side. You can refinance into a, a much more favorable rate. 
it does make sense in certain situations. I think maybe in it's hard to guarantee that you're going to be able to make more money in the future, though. Like a lot of times, those products, I think that was first introduced in the 1970s from the the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, where they said, "Hey, we're going to really help out first time home buyers because we believe, based on historical data, that year three after you graduate college or however many years after that, whatever it was, you're going to." have 20% more income. So that would tie it to your income probabilities increasing. If you're doing that, you have to be very careful because a lot of like the majority of folks aren't dramatically increasing their income year over year. And, you know, then you get the 2008 stuff or pre 2008 stuff that is leading borrowers into products that they soon can't afford just to get a deal done. And so there's got to be a ton of rules behind who is right for that product. And in an area that we are in today where originations are lower, a lot of people are trying to get creative on ways to keep the engine going. And I hear you. And and you're right about that. There are guardrails in place, right? So you have to be, you know, you certainly need to be in a profession that is, you know, upwardly mobile, for example, to use that 80s term. So the underwriter is going to gauge, you know, if you're a physician, you just got out of med school and you buy your first house you're more than likely you're a great candidate for a two and buy down, right? But if you're not in that type of position or you're in that type of industry where you are, you know, it is a little more stagnant, then yeah, maybe it's not a good option for you. Especially with inflation continuing to rise. Yeah. So my hope is, is, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is as a potential home buyer, there are options out there. And I think you, I think you have to align yourself with lenders that are going to walk you through all those options. That's that's maybe where I'm going with my with my point. But so that's a good call to action for the loan officers. Right. Is really do your best job to make sure that your customers are getting into the right product. Mm, that's the whole idea of being a loan officer, right? Like yep. and that's why loan compensation rules are the way that they are too. You should be because you're not compensated differently based on loan product. You are based on loan size, which I have an issue with. However, what's for a different well, day? I read a blog earlier this week and it was interesting. The, you know, we've experienced, you know, the FHFA came in and said that they saw their first home price decline in July, right? So all these lenders went out there and started originating loans and offering loans at higher loan sizes because, you know, the FHFA gives us the formula and we can kind of calculate and back into that number. If the next set of numbers comes in and they also decline, what's the FHFA do? Do they come in and say, you know, we're not going to raise home prices. We're actually going to lower them. And what do you mean by, are you talking about the, the loan limits on conforming? The loan limits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, they, they can't just wave a wand and, and change home prices. No, I'm sorry. Home, not home prices. Someone stop me. Mighty. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you're supposed to steal me. I'm going down this rabbit hole. I was, I was, uh, yes. wait, you know, I was sitting and waiting uh, uh, where you're going to go with it. And now I'm stopping you right now. So we're going <laughs> to keep very much up. I'm going to be quiet now. No. All good stuff. So, so AI, let's think about, so in this past month, a lot of what lenders are thinking about is what is the next, uh, probably especially 18-ish kind of months looking like. Do we have more certainty or do we have less certainty? Based on where we are right now. Well, I think my own opinion is is at least for at least in the short term, there's still uncertainty, right? Yeah. Because like what just happened in the UK this week, I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought that 
the the Bank of England would have come in to try and prop up the pound based on yeah. what they did, right? So by the way, it's really cheap to travel in Europe right now if you haven't thought about that. <laughs> so in, in interested, you know, you, both of you guys have been on the road recently. AI, mm-hmm. you were, as you said, at the at the Mortgage Collaborative Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, BT, I think you were at Digital Mortgage, maybe one other, I forgot. But um, interested in y'all's reaction of, what you're seeing, what you're hearing from the lenders that are experiencing this world of unknown. I think like, and the thing I'll say before that is, you know, this unknown isn't just in this industry. Like this unknown is for a lot of companies in this economy, but I'm interested in hearing how lenders specifically are thinking about this unknown and how they're approaching their business or themes you guys got out of some of those conversations. Well, you know, it's, it's, I wasn't a TMC that long, but I was part of a, a panel discussion. And so we were talking about like introducing new products and, you know, how lenders are, are kind of managing that risk and how they met, how they bring new products to market. I didn't get the sense from the folks that were participating in that, that there was a ton of fear, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. They're certainly nervous. They're doing what they have to do to button up their businesses and tighten things up. And we've talked about this previously on this podcast where, you know, now's a really good opportunity to kind of go back and go back and kind of button up processes and look at your vendor relationships and lean on your investors for for some assistance and things like that. But but lenders, I I got the general sense from from that conversation that people were like, you know, we're going to introduce these new products and we know that. There's not a ton of business out there, but we want to try and capture what we can. And so while I think folks are aware of the challenges ahead of them, they're still they're still out yep. there fighting and clawing and saying, you know what, bring it. I'm not afraid of you. And I, and I like that. I like that attitude. And I think that's the attitude that folks have to take. Bring it, right? The main thing that I learned at Digital Mortgage is I'm not a fan of the Westgate Hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> Shots I'm not fired. a fan of Las Vegas. That's right. Right. The, right. Hopefully they're the not Westgate, listening right now. The Westgate yes. Resort is one of the premier sponsors of the Clear to Close podcast. And oh, yeah. Bad talking our sponsors. I have a t-shirt on today. Well, they owe me some credits <laughs> anyway. So, are you not a fan because of the? This is going to be bad. We're going to start. Oh, here we go. Losing them some business. Are we? Is are you not a fan of the accommodations? Or are you not a fan of the tables? Well, I don't know if we could help them lose business it's already gone let's just put it that way <laughs> i don't know i didn't even remember your question were you gambling so maybe maybe so maybe i'll add on uh you know I, we've been a, a part of a few discussions in our private label origination business and i think similar to what you are hearing and seeing ai which is you know there's uncertainty. And like I said before, there's uncertainty for every company in the country right now, regardless of the industry for the most part. You know, the unknown of where, whether this is a deep recession, whether this is a long drawn out, but not but shallow recession, there's just a lot of unknowns because it's such a unique environment that we're in and the, the, the forces are so unique compared to past recessions. But, but what I think I'm hearing the most out of small regional community lenders, sometimes banks, sometimes IMBs is they're kind of just like, because it's unknown, we're going to go try to hedge our bets as best possible and go find new opportunities to grab loan volume. And so whether it's state expansions or channel expansions or product expansions, they spend less time thinking about what is the perfect number going to be that's coming out of the forecast. Like, whether it's going to be 2% down or 5% down this quarter, but they're just like, 
we need to get better than this. When you grab more loan volume and you go grab market share. So what are our best, most scalable, most profitable ways as an organization to go do that? And so I think that's refreshing. And a lot of this market outlook that can be so scary and unknown is at these times, you kind of just need to focus on your business. You know your market better than anyone else and go find opportunities to grow just as you were even in a good market, but just it might have a heightened sense of urgency to go do it. Brian, I made some great points. I think, you know, all joking aside, one of the things I did learn a lot of digital mortgage was talking to an outsourced marketing firm, a, a firm that helps mortgage companies, specifically mortgage companies with their marketing. And that's a, a broad, you know, marketing is very broad in what they can do. But he said he's never been busier because yeah. a lot of companies who are getting creative and saying, I need to get to my revenue numbers, or I need to get to my unit or volume counts. And I, what used to work isn't going to fill those buckets. So I got to be creative and figure out what new things I can do. Part of their confusion in that brainstorming and strategy session is how are we going to get our name out there? How are we going to get the business? Okay, we can build the foundation ourselves or even with partners, but how are we going to get the volume in? And so they're reaching out to creative agencies to help them. I think that's a brilliant idea because you don't have to put everything on your own back to go do. And when you are hedging your bets and when you are trying to plan, it's it's okay to say, hey, if interest rates go here, and then we have to do this. We're not really good at that. Go ask for some help, whether it's marketing or, hey, we don't know how to do HELOCs. We don't really want to do HELOCs. Maybe we should go find a partner to just do HELOCs for us. You know, there's all sorts of different options out there, but that I thought was really interesting and I just, I'm proud that a lot of folks are reaching out to those, like this guy who runs that, um, the marketing company, because yeah. you don't have to be experts in everything that you do. You can lean on each other in this industry. You can go find certain avenues for assistance. But what's important is, is that you're trying and you're trying to fill that volume bucket. And I'd say on top of that, on the cost side, another thing that I've heard is, you know, people made cuts. We all know that the industry made cuts. And then they made another round of cuts and there might be more coming. And people hate that. People hate that about our industry, those that are in it and not in it. And so now when you're looking at your new normal and you're saying, oh crap, well, I've level sized hopefully until the rest of the winter months pass. And then we prepare for spring home buying season. Are we just going to go higher a lot? You have to hedge that bet too and say, all right, well, if we go higher a bunch and something else happens, are we going to continue to be the higher and fire mortgage shop. And if that's what the industry is forever, it's going to get wiped away by these online lenders. Like you're not going to be able to handle, you're not going to have a reputation to go and hire and retain top talent. They're just going to go away to the online lenders. And so you've got to figure out a way to hedge against being a higher and fire shop. And that's, that's a call to action that I have for the industry too. Yeah. I mean, I think the, danger of going and trying to find where's your next group of volume coming or what's your next bet is that you take on too many things and you do them all somewhat half-assed or they bring so much kind of operational baggage that you're not good at anything anymore. Like you, you're not good at what you used to be good at and you're not able to focus on on what your skill set is. But I think it's 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 not a one size fits all. I think you made a good point where if you don't want to expand products because 
you've got your products and you're great at that for your market, but you just need to go get your word out more and grab market share that way. Like go find that opportunity. If you feel like you've got great brand awareness and you've got a good kind of lead flow, but you need to expand your products, expand channels, like then that's your, your opportunity. I, I do really agree with your, your comment and not somewhat self-serving in, in Maxwell's eyes, but is don't repeat the same structure of how you go, how you mm-hmm. did it in the past based off past volume needs. If yep. you're going to go try to need to hire or find more talent or find new operations, like think about the the scalable future of it. So you're not in the same situation where you've got this brand reputation of a higher fire shop. You know, there are creative ways to go launch things operationally, to go launch things from a marketing perspective, to go launch things from a product perspective that are more scalable and less operational weight than they used to be in in the space. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, Alan. And, and, and I do agree with you, Brian. I think, you know, that that's definitely a call to action, right? And so I think, again, I'm going to go back to the word opportunity. There's opportunity right now to kind of look at those things. And if you feel that you're, you can right side things, then go for it, right? And be ready for the spring. And so look at those products, hire those folks that are out there talking. I was heartened when I first got in the business, lenders didn't talk to each other. They talked a little bit, but I mean, you know, there was always the, I'm not telling you what I'm doing, right? Because it was, and it's still super competitive. And I get that, but I was very heartened at TMC with the members there who were so open and willing to share how they're, what they're doing that's working, what's not working, what their challenges are, what they're afraid of, what they're not afraid of. I mean, I just, Maybe I've been around too long, but it was really good. <laughs> Don't laugh, Alan. Um, it was really good to see that. So I think you said it earlier, Brian, lean on your sources out there and lean on each other for guidance and help. There's nothing wrong with that. So good stuff. Powerful words to end on. So, so uh, a little bit shorter right. episode today, but uh, I think a good summary of pulse of what's happening in the economy outlook and and maybe what has changed and what has stayed the same and in how to uh, how to focus on your business for the next 12 18 months. Brian any any uh last words? Yeah, the uh the plug that I have is for the company that outsourced marketing company uh, Art versus Math, Stephen Cooley, my guy over there. If anybody is interested in, in talking with him, just reach out either to us and Clear to Close, we can introduce you or go to Art versus Math's website and figure it out there with Stephen. Brian, no, uh, no name of the concierge at that hotel in Las Vegas you want to hear so people can like pepper that person. No, (laughs) it was fine. I just got lost trying to, uh, I don't even want to get into it. We have two sleepers. I want to hear. No, it just don't go there. Go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Just go somewhere Uh, else. Sorry. Uh, National Mortgage News is calling me right now uh, because uh, we're bad talking their location of the Digital Mortgage Conference. Uh, yeah. And I have to get a plug in for the mighty Philadelphia Eagles starting off the NFL season at 3-0. and Go Birds. Go Birds. The only, the only reaction to that is silence. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, boys. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, until next time, we'll catch you on another episode of Clear to Close. Got it. Catch you later. Bye-bye. And that's it. Another episode of Clear to Close is in the books. 
Thank you for joining and thank you for listening. Again, if you're new to Clear to Close, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and shoot us over a review on what you thought. If you are returning Clear to Close, we're excited for you to join us on the next episode. Uh, before we leave, we have to thank our sponsor uh, and employer who makes this all possible, Maxwell. To learn more about Maxwell and our mortgage optimization platform, visit us at www.highmaxwell.com or email us at meetmax at highmaxwell.com. Until the next episode, keep lending. Yep. Take her easy.